Up, level up nation, and welcome to your home for gaming esports news brought to you by OTN Media. It's level up live. I messed up the intro, Joey. It's simple as that. It's been that long since we've done it, it feels like. Level up nation, it's January 26th, and you are watching, uh, yeah, the 26th edition of Level Up Live. Uh, you know, Joey, if this wasn't a live show, I'd say let's redo that entire thing, but we're gonna do it live. Part of uh, a live show is accepting those screw ups. Uh, Level Up Nation, welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the January 26th edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news, brought to you by OTN Media. Uh, my name is Fiasco. You can call me John, and I am joined, as always, by the King of the Courts. The Courtside King, Joey. What's up, buddy? The whole loss of audio there just kind of added to this. But as we are going in, I'm thinking, I wish people could experience some of our like pre-shows and post-shows. Like oh, as we're gosh. like sitting here, John starts counting down the timer. Are you ready to go live? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. He starts counting down. I'm like, oh, my knuckle just started bleeding. John just keeps going on counting. <laughs> and here we are. It's beautiful. Um, your bleeding does not affect the start of the show, Joe. Exactly. As, as we do, we go on. Blood, sweat, tears, all of it. We continue, even though we do cancel here and there. But that's due to schedule conflicts, not blood, sweat, or tears. Have that in mind. Uh, first time streamers. Uh, yeah, uh, it feels like that sometimes. Nation. Uh, make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Level Up Live. That is at LVLUP Live. And while you are on Twitter, give Joey and myself a follow. Follow Joey at Courtside King, myself at Fiasco. You're watching here live on Twitch. They are the handles below our beautiful mugshots you're currently staring at at your mobile device, computer, and or television or tablet. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast version down the road, have no fear. They're in the show notes for you below. And Nation, as always, Twitch is the place to be Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern time. For the live show, but have no fear, you can't catch it. The podcast is available. Check out the Level Up podcast available on your podcatcher of choice. Extra credit, earn Joey's eternal love and affection by using that spicy uh, Twitch Prime sub on OTN Media. He will personally come to your home and give you a big courtside hug. Uh, Joey, what are we talking about tonight on Level Up Live? <laughs> Well, how I just got put on a creeper list for that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, there will be no hugs delivered to homes. Uh, we do do virtual hugs, though, and we are glad to give those out to our subscribers. You can do so over here on twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. For the podcast listeners, we also accept reviews. Uh, John will send virtual hugs for reviews on the podcast. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, whoever takes reviews, we will take them. We're on just about every platform except SoundCloud. Sad day. Uh, anyway, topics tonight. We have new game reviews. Forspoken, Hi-Fi Rush, and Dead Space are launching or have launched this week. We have the Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct on Wednesday. Kind of a new format. Not new for the industry as Nintendo and Sony kind of do. The Nintendo Direct and the Sony say to play. Xbox said, hey, those both work out pretty well. Let's try our Xbox spin at it. So John and I are going to give our thoughts on if it went well, if it didn't go so well, what we saw in the showcase. We're talking Team Deathmatch headed to Valorant. Yes, John, one of the oldest faded modes of really any kind of shooter game out there. Valorant is finally picking it up and adding it to their arsenal. We have Xbox FY23 results coming in. Not looking too pretty in the gaming revenue department, so we'll touch on that a little bit. Some upcoming games headed to Game Pass. Some esports news with League of Legends launching off this past week. One of, if not the biggest esport in the world in just about every country of the world. The LEC standings we have for week one and the LCS with a Cloud9 victory just kicked off their season as well. And then we will be talking about the NBA 2K League draft that is happening simultaneously with the show tonight too. 
Where's DG, baby? All right, cool. Um, I'm not biased. I'm definitely not biased. Joey, uh, we have some spicy topics today. Uh, it's good to have uh, some awesome content to talk about once again. Some games I know you're super excited to touch on also, including one that you recommended to me today when you slid into my Discord DMs. <laughs> uh, Nation, uh, before we even do that, it is time for our drink of choice. Joey, your beverage for today's show, please. So, oh, I didn't mention this at the top. I am a little stuffy and scratchy throaty. So my throat could go out at any time, and I'm drinking tea as a result. So I have some kind of tea. I don't remember what flavor, but some kind of tea with honey. So, so Philly Fan Dan makes a really good point, Joey. I don't know if you saw my exchange on Twitter today uh, with WizDG, uh, but I was pretty much, you know, I'm hyping it up. WizDG, they're looking for one. They, they already got four players. They made a trade. They brought a player in. They're bringing three returning players back from last year. Day Fry retired. So now they're looking for a big man. Uh, so I'm kind of hyping up the draft here a little bit. Then all of a sudden, head coach Pat Crossan decides to, to tweet back at me and goes, goes, you're the guy, John. We're drafting you today. And I'm just like, wait a minute. I didn't realize they brought back the sixth man because there's no way in hell that anybody for Monumental Sports Entertainment would draft me to be on WizDG. I am not that good at 2K. It's not even close. It's I can barely pay play on pro level. Like it's it's bad. It's really bad. It's, I have no problem. I mean, you that. do fit the big man description though. I did well. Shut up. Uh, so, <laughs> so I was like, wow, I didn't know they brought back the sixth man. And then the WizDG account responds, goes, yeah, we brought it back just for you. And I was like, great, that's that's fantastic. So, uh, yes, I have beaten Dan several times in 2K, uh, but we're not going to talk about that. Anywho. Uh, yes, so Joey, there's a good chance I may be getting drafted in the middle of the show, and if that happens, I'm out. Sidebar, have you guys ever played each other in MLB the show? Uh, yeah, we did a couple games, I think. Okay. Uh, I think we did one one or two full nine-inning games. Um, How did those results go, just out of curiosity? I mean, I definitely didn't play as the Nationals, that's for sure, because uh, <laughs> they're being relegated to AAA. Um yeah, I think like the last time we we hung out and played video games, I think it was just two K and Banjo Kazooie or Banjo mm. and Tooie. I mean, um, great choices. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I think we split. I, I think I think we're like at five hundred each. So um, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll run it back. I don't know. We'll we'll figure out a time to to play again. But zero because soda's hard to kick. It's a bad habit. I'm trying to get rid of it. Not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, but, Joey, what is going to happen soon is our Gaming and Esports News segment. And, of course, it is presented by Gamer Bytes. Bite-sized Gaming and Esports News delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today. If you are here on Twitch chat, check out the chat. because We have that spicy link for Gamer Bytes in the chat for you right now. If you are listening to the podcast on your podcatcher, it will be in the show notes for you as well. Joey, let's go ahead and get into gaming and eSports news. Let's go. Absolutely. Let's kick it off with some new game reviews. John, if you want to try to pull some game footage, I didn't put any in the notes with a link, but if you want to for some of these games, that would be great. Uh, Forspoken is the first one on the list. This is a game that Sony went out. They paid a two-year exclusivity agreement for on consoles with Square Enix, Square Enix being the publisher in this case. Uh, a lot of people, Sony included, obviously, paying that much money for it, saw a lot of, um, let's say, good groundwork for this game in particular when they originally made the contract years ago. It looked very good. It looked very clean. And over the years, it seemed like graphical fidelity has gone down a little bit from trailer to trailer. Then it picked its way up a little bit with some polishing toward the end of things. Uh, but since then, it did end up launching. 
and it has not been a very pretty launch, John. We're looking at a 69 out of 100 on Open Critic. Not mm. exactly where you want to be if you're shelling out millions of dollars for exclusivity agreements. 29% of 100% of critics recommend. 29%, again, under 30% of critics recommending is not a pretty place to be either. Uh, overall, I think the game looks decently good. I think it did drop off in certain areas if you don't have, like, I mean, the PC specs on this game were absolutely insane. They were recommending, like, a 32 gigabyte for the highest ultra graphics uh, as far as RAM goes. 16 gigabytes was the minimum of RAM required just for the game itself. Uh, so we're talking some pretty high PC specs. On top of that, it sounds like the PlayStation's having a hard time holding 60 frames per second. And on top of that, I don't even think that might be 1080. That might be 960 or somewhere around there uh, to be able to even hold that 60 frames per second. So it has not been great technically uh, as far as the specs go and as far as actual graphic fidelity in certain cases. Um, overall, I like the concept of the game. You're looking at kind of like that... Um, I was about to use an anime comparison, but like an Izakai in anime or like someone is getting placed into another world is kind of the setting where it begins on. This new world's like fantasy based. There's dragons, there's magic, all that good stuff you find in fantasy games. I think the setting is fine. Uh, the biggest critiques outside of the actual game running itself have been the dialogue. And John, I don't know if you've had a chance to catch any of the dialogue snippets, but it is pretty... Um, there's a lot of curse words over and over and over, and it feels like they just fill them to kind of fill gaps in the story. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thing. Like, when you run out of words, just start cussing because uh, well, what's a better universal language than just random cuss words plugged into everything? No, I mean, I'll be honest. I haven't watched too much of it. Uh, I've definitely seen the reviews. I have <laughs> kind of laughed at some of these reviews because, like, no one's holding back. Um, I feel bad for Forspoken. I mean, anytime you develop a game and it gets absolutely hammered, uh, you know, with a 69% rating, 29% uh, recommended. I mean, that's terrible. That, that Those are bad, bad numbers. And if, now granted, I'm not the kind of person that's going to sit here and say ratings are an end-all, be-all uh, for people. I feel like if this is a game that still makes you intrigued, it still piques your interest, by all means, go play it. Uh, don't just listen to critics. Critics are there to be critical. That's their job. Their job is to give their opinion and somehow they've got themselves in the industry to give their opinion and people care about their opinion. That's great. Critics are wrong. Critics are wrong all the time. So if this game is something that you are interested in, it piques your interest and the bugs, the hardware issues, if that's not a thing for you, if that's something that doesn't bother you, by all means, play the game, see if you like it. And if you like it, there's nothing wrong with it. There are plenty of games that I've played that critics hate that I've loved. So, yeah, I mean, High uh, on Life, yeah. just being a recent example of that, that did really well. Yeah, and, and High, Lof, High on Life was absolutely amazing. I thought it was great. Now, granted, the guy behind it's kind of a, you know, come to light a scumbag. Um, but uh, the game itself put together, the graphics, the gameplay was very, very, very impressive. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just an idea out there. Listen to the critics, but don't let that be your end-all, be-all. But it is a tough day for Forspoken. Yeah, it's rough. And like John said, like if you guys are still interested, please go play it. Uh, I think I personally will be waiting for the bargain bit on this one. It yeah. just didn't land the way I expected it to. Well, it did. It did land the way I expected it to, unfortunately. Uh, I feel like when a game gets delayed more than three times, there's definitely going to be some question marks that come up about it. On top of that, the other thing that kind of sets me off is when critics don't get review codes early. 
When you have a game like Elden Ring or God of War Ragnarok, those critics typically get review codes two to four weeks in advance. With Forspoken, the few critics that were even able to get review codes got review codes like two or three days before the actual game launch, which is never a good sign for a game launch. On top of that, PC reviewers, they still didn't get codes until after the game launched. So imagine just how that game is performing on PC right now. If you don't want anyone to review it before launch, that is not a good sign. We saw it with Cyberpunk with the original Xbox and PS4 editions. They flopped. I mean, some of the faces look like they were just melted on that game graphically. And I don't know if Forspoken is that bad in this case with PC, but I have a feeling with those really high specs, it's not really well optimized overall. Yeah, and if it's not the graphics of your player in games face melting, it's going to be your computer melting from the high temperatures, from all the stress uh, that the game is going to put on your hardware because minimum 16 recommended 32 gigs of RAM. I mean, that, I mean, that that's, is insane. That, that's beefy. Like, we're like, yeah, the game's graphically intense, but it's not like Flight Simulator graphically intense. I mean, we're, we're not talking renderings that are going to make you feel like you're literally outside flying an airplane. I mean, it's, it, it's a good looking game, but uh, I don't think it, it's that intense. Absolutely. So we'll move on from Forspoken. This next one, just a quick touch because we will touch on it a bit later. This is Hi-Fi Rush from Tango Gameworks and Xbox and Bethesda. This one currently sitting at a 98 out of 100 on Open Critic. Now, big disclaimer with that rating. There are only four reviews in so far, uh, so it is a temporary one. And the reason for only four reviews being in is because they shadow dropped it during the showcase on Wednesday. So most developers as well as reviewers and everyone else kind of involved that do write those reviews for these game sites did not have a chance to play the game fully yet so a lot of people currently playing it and writing up their reviews as we speak again 98 out of 100 but only four reviews in so far we'll touch on that one a bit more as we go down the list last but not least for new games releasing this week we have dead space the remake from ea um john this is one i expected to do pretty well i was thinking kind of late 80s or high 80s rather in that like 87 to 89 range it's currently sitting at a 90 out of 100 on open critic with 96 percent recommending it looks like this remake is one that landed very well yeah uh 90 percent uh on open critic 96 percent recommended i mean you gotta be pretty good. Like if it's a ninety and and they're ninety six percent are recommending it, that's overall a good sign. Uh, yeah, super excited for it. Dead Space is a great game, and I think a lot of people are gonna be happy with it. And I think that's a good rating. Yeah, it's one of those kind of gorier horror games stuck on an isolated alien ship. So I like that they're bringing the IP back. They're refreshing the IP. It seems like they did a justice from these ratings initially. Uh, a lot of people talking about this in Hi-Fi Rush as maybe not Game of the Year contenders, but definitely up there for award nominations already, and we're just in January. Both these games landing that well. Uh, I will not be playing Dead Space. I don't think you will either, John. Neither one of us really gravitates toward that horror genre too much, um, but I'm sure we'll catch some footage here and there on Twitch and YouTube. Next up on the list is the Xbox and Bethesda Developer Direct. So again, kind of mentioned this at the top of the show, Xbox and Bethesda typically lean toward those bigger showcases, E3, Gamescom, Summer Game Fest, the Game Awards, those big showcases held throughout the year. There's three or four of them. Uh, overall, they've never really done kind of a direct format outside of some little partnerships with like Twitch where they do an indie game stream. Um, I like the idea of them delving into this. It kind of says, hey, we don't have to wait six months until we get to E3 in June. Now we can have little tidbits of announcements and keep things a little bit fresh for Xbox players and just gamers alike in general as far as game news goes. 
So I like the idea of them moving to this. Nintendo, again, this is nothing absolutely new because Nintendo has their Nintendo Direct, similar format to that. PlayStation with State of Play, not very new to the gaming industry overall, but I do like Xbox's format in the sense that we heard directly from developers, but it wasn't in interview style. There were a couple little interview tidbits, but for the most part, it's developers talking over the game as gameplay is shown. So gamers are getting the gameplay they wanted, but developers are also able to portray a little bit more depth to that gameplay. And I think personally, at least for me, it worked really well. We saw five games overall. We had about, I think it was a 45 minute ish show. So a good cut up of like seven to 10 minutes on most of those games. And then we were able to get a little bit of insight and meet some of the developers behind the scenes. So I think it flowed really well. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts if you've had a chance to follow through on it. Yeah, I thought they did a really good job. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I was so uh, worked today was a little interesting. Had uh, had had the regional boss in the office today, so I couldn't exactly get away with watching uh, this live. But uh, yeah, did get a chance to watch it after work. Uh, I thought it was really good. I really liked the format. Uh, going in depth on some of these bigger title games, uh, I think is is the way to go. I, I think the average gamer, especially, uh, you know. Let's say you're a big, you know, Forza Horizon fan. You're you're just a big race car fan. You want to see what the next uh, expansion is going to be like, and you want more information on it. Yeah, a a 45 second, a 60 second, you know, trailer or a teaser is great. Uh, but hearing from the developer, you know, and hearing what their team's thought process was in bringing new cars, new maps, new races, new everything to the game, and kind of just giving you that roadmap, it, it helps you make a bigger connection with that game. Uh, you know, it's kind of like what World of Warcraft has been doing since its its original launch was, you know, those patch notes, which turned into videos, which turned into in-game content. The whole thing was is, okay, this is where we're going. This is what's coming up next. And we can see it in-game as it's being implemented. And it had that more personal touch, knowing where it was going to go next, where your adventure was going to go next. So uh, these presentations are giving you that kind of feedback for some of your favorite game titles. I think it's great. And I think it's so key to find other events throughout the year that are not named E3 or the Game Awards. Correct. Like, it's great to have E3 in June. It's great to have Gamescom in August, the Game Awards in December. But if you're keeping all of your big announcements until then, you're pretty much just filling up with little blog posts here and there, uh, little podcast recordings, which I love podcasts, don't get me wrong, as we we're recording one here. Uh, but it is nice to see games, to visualize games, to get a little bit more depth of the story, to get that developer insight, to get that gameplay experience shown to you ahead of time. I think that's huge. Uh, on top of that, you can shadow drop games, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, which is just a really cool aspect to these showcases. And I hope we do get more of these, as well as some deep dives into some bigger games like your Starfields, like your Fables, as we go along. Uh, first game up in the order was Minecraft Legends. John and I have talked about Minecraft before. The IP is giant. Uh, if you're talking biggest IPs in the world, you're looking at League of Legends, you're looking at Minecraft, you're looking at Roblox and Fortnite. Those are pretty much four of your top five right there. Minecraft is ginormous. They released Minecraft Dungeons. That one did very well as a nice spinoff game. So they said, hey, we had one spinoff with a big success behind it, quite a few sales, lots of DLC sales. Let's try something different. This one is very different. Uh, it is that same Minecraft blocky style as gr of graphics, um, but they are building upon the Minecraft story, adding a little bit more depth behind it in a playable experience. We're talking single player and PvP. And John, I would describe this as kind of Age of Empires meets Star Wars Battlefront, like the old Battlefront, where you're like a commander on the screen, uh, or I guess in the game itself, and you're commanding different squads as you go. On top of that, Age of Empires, where you're kind of overlooking tower building and army building and all of that aspect 
I went into the showcase not expecting much from this game, but I'm pretty intrigued, honestly, after seeing some footage of it. It looks great. And I think if you're a fan of Minecraft, I think if you're a fan of that IP and what Minecraft has done over the years, uh, and they're finally starting to think outside of the sandbox, yeah, I, I think it's great. I, I think it looks solid. I think it's a very simplistic version of those games. I mean, I, I think those comparisons, Joey, that you made are spot on uh, with with this new game for Minecraft. I, I like it. I think it's when I first saw it, I, I couldn't help but think um, almost like a World of Warcraft thing uh, because like you saw the portal, you go through the portal, you're in a different world, like there's like gigantic monsters and everything. The first thing I thought of was Burning Crusade, um, but it's not necessarily an MMORPG in that sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I think more of an Age of Empires kind of style thing here, like having to build and then explore and all other fun stuff. Um, I think it looks great. I think a lot of people in the Minecraft universe are going to love this, this, this game. Um, definitely caught me by surprise. I wasn't expecting this, um, but I do agree. I, I think this does look really good. It's like Age of Empires in like this campaign mode where you have like that mm -hmm. one lead unit, your general or whatever it is, depending on the race. That's exactly what it reminds me of. You have your general there. They're the one kind of leading your army, leading the building expedition. But on top of that, you are controlling these other troops that you're building up. And if John decides to go with all these air units, I'm obviously going to build some anti-air units. So you're constantly adapting to what your opponent is doing, or in the case of campaign, whatever your CPU opponent is doing. Uh, so there's just a lot of aspects to it. You can upgrade your materials for your walls and strengthen those. You can research different levels. Uh, I just, I love the idea of these RTS style games, but I like the approach of kind of taking a little bit more of a unique take with it where you are one controlling character, you're one hero character per se, while also controlling these armies and building the things around you. So graphically, it looks good, even with the blocky style. And I think the level of strategy and depth here could be a lot deeper than we originally expected. Next up in line is one that a lot of racing fans have been waiting for, including X2 Chucks over on our Discord server. That is Forza Motorsport. Uh, this is going to be kind of the next big racing game a lot of people are expecting. When you're looking at Forza Horizon, which did extremely well with this Mexico expansion for Forza Horizon 5, graphics were top-notch. It won awards for narrative design, uh, I'm sorry, sound design, uh, a bunch of audio-based awards as well as graphic awards. This is going to take it to the next level, not only probably pulling in a lot of those awards as well, but stepping it up even a notch further. They've added in even more weather systems. They've added in even more wear and tear on the car, on the tracks. Uh, there's new F1 components in this one as well, which is a huge thing uh, for a lot of people watching like Drive to Survive on Netflix that brought in a ton of different F1 fans that now follow the whole circuit all around. So I am stoked for this, John. I am I'm an on and off racing fan. I enjoy it from time to time. I love seeing the custom paint jobs people do on cars, but I think just adding in other layers like F1, adding in all these other tracks, like they have a South African track now that looks really sick. Uh, imagining some of those F1 circuits. I don't know exactly how many of those will be in here, but overall it feels like just a giant franchise that continues to expand, add cars, add courses, and add great things in. Yeah, and it's really hitting everything you need. It's great. It's a great game. It's a great user interface. Uh, the menu system is very easy to navigate. The game itself is very easy to navigate. It's not overly complicated. It can be complicated based upon what you're looking for. You can make it complicated. If you're just looking to race a car, simple, play the game, race a car, you're good to go. Uh, F1 is massive. It is growing even more. Joey, random fact here. Oh. Um, so, so last night I made the unfortunate decision to go to Richmond, Virginia for a college basketball game. <laughs> and we were pre-gaming at a bar. Uh, that obviously me being there rooting for the away team, 
uh, we were outnumbered about 800 to 1 uh, in that bar. Uh, but this one person at the bar that we were talking to, friendly for, for a VCU fan, but, you know, friendly. It's, it is what it is. Um, we were talking, and all of a sudden, that person brought up Formula One. And instantly, it went from friendly banter about the game that Mason would eventually lose by 20 because we're hot garbage um, to F1. And boom, just like that, we had, we had a new friend in Richmond. And it was the coolest thing ever. F1 is absolutely huge, and it transcends like traditional rivalries, even between college, colleges. Uh, we completely ignored the game and talked about the upcoming season. We talked about Drive to Survive. We talked about... Uh, how F1 has grown in North America like crazy over the past several years. So it is absolutely critical for Forza to include that F1 component in their game going forward because there is a massive growing demand here in the U.S. and around the world for more F1 content, so much to the point that the U.S. just got Las Vegas added to, to the grid uh, for, for, for the racing grid in this upcoming season. It's going to be absolutely insane. It's a very, very smart move to add F1 components into the next into the next uh, Forza. Yeah, and it's just one of those things, right? Like you've mentioned, it's just grown so big worldwide. Stuff like Netflix's documentary really pushed it forward. The changes to the cars obviously did a great deal of moving it forward, uh, at least with the U.S. audience as well. So I think there's a lot of things going well with the sport on top of that Forza. And I may have had some F1 components before, but I think really tapping into it, at least with the marketing side of things, is going to be big for it on this next go around. Uh, I'd expect this thing to sell like hotcakes in terms of racing games. Oh, yeah. um, obviously, Mario Kart is going to be your biggest racing game out there. But in terms of simulation games, I don't think anything comes even close to what Forza is going to end up putting out when it comes out in 2023, uh, which unfortunately is one of the bigger downfalls to this game as far as like showcase feedback. A lot of people are like, this showcase was an A, except we didn't get a date for Forza Motorsport. We kind of still have that coming 2023 tag on it. Uh, a lot of people were hoping this was going to be around an April or May launch. It does look like it could fall a little bit later. My speculation on this is not that Forza is not ready, but I think they're waiting to see where Starfield lands. Uh, I think if Starfield can make it out by June, I think Starfield becomes kind of that June release game or maybe early July. I think if Starfield gets dropped back later, then Forza gets released sometime in the summer to fill the gap. That's my humble opinion. I have nothing to back that up. Uh, just kind of the feeling I'm getting on this one. And also, I don't know if we mentioned it, Minecraft Legends is launching in April 2023. Next up was game number three of five. This one was a surprise. This one came out of nowhere. Uh, we had a little bit of a leak ahead of it that it might make an appearance, but no one had any idea what it was. This one comes from legendary horror studio Tango Gameworks with uh, the original creator of Resident Evil over there. Hi-Fi Rush is the name of this one, and it shadow dropped right after the show. Uh, if anyone has been on social media and is watching this or listening to this podcast later down the line, this sucker has been all over social media for the last 24 hours. I stopped tracking after 18 hours, but it trended in the top 10 on every platform within that top 18 hours. It hit multiple in the top three as well over the course of that time. Uh, John, this is it's not an indie game because it is published by Xbox and Bethesda, so they are bigger publishers behind it. Uh, but this thing is pulling in crazy traffic. It's very unique. Uh, I was mentioning it a little bit to John, who hasn't had a chance to play it yet. It's very music-based, so everything is based on a beat. Every one of your combo mechanics, you get bonuses if you can swing on the beat. So it's all about telling the music, feeling the rhythm. Your whole environment moves with the beat. Every cutscene moves with the beat. It switches between different graphic styles almost seamlessly. Like, they have done a phenomenal job. 
And I think the thing that makes it crazier is just no one really saw this coming until this tiny leak right before. And even with that leak, no one had any idea it was releasing that same day. No one really had any idea what the art style would be. The only thing that leaked was that it was a rhythmic action-adventure game, I believe is what it was called at the time. So I, I think this one just, the developer being a horror game only developer and then coming out with something like this, it's just it's one of those really cool, unique things. And I think some credit has to go to Game Pass here as well. Game Pass makes games like this possible. Like Grounded was a small team. Bleeding Edge, which didn't do so well, was a small team. Pentiment, which is up for a ton of Game of the Year awards this year, was a small team. And I think Game Pass gives a little bit more flexibility to that because someone's not going to go out and necessarily pay $30 for a game if they just want to try something out. But maybe they'll pay the $1 for a month of Game Pass or maybe that $15 subscription to try games out like this. So I think what we're seeing with it, as well as PS Plus or PS Now, rather, uh, I think it's called PS Plus, if I remember correctly, when they merged them. Uh, but little subscription services like this allow a lot more of this flexibility with these small teams. So overall, John, I'm, I'm stoked for this one. I played through the first chapter. I'm really, really excited to see you play through the chapter of this. Uh, uh -huh. I recommended High on Life to you back in December. This is my January recommendation for you, and I think this one will land pretty well. I don't know. I mean, you're kind of setting the bar a little high there, um, but uh, but it's okay. Uh, yeah, no, uh, you, you recommend it to me. I started downloading it via the Xbox app on my phone while I was at work because it is so freaking cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's downloaded. It's on my Xbox. Good to go. Can't wait to play it. Uh, super excited for it. It looks great. Uh, I love the graphic style. It's it, It's got that cartoony feel to it. I'm super excited to see the gameplay. And anything that incorporates music uh, as uh, a mechanism in the game uh, for uh, fighting or anything like that is just epic. Because music is super powerful. It transcends language. And it's just, I, I think it's great. Uh, rhythm games are a lot of fun to play as well. Uh, there's a round one uh, near us here in Northern Virginia, Joey, that has a lot of Japanese uh, mm -hmm. rhythm games uh, in the arcade. Uh, those are super fun. Uh Philly fan Dan and I actually were there recently, and there's a big difference between normal and hard. A very big difference on those games between normal and hard. But uh, but they're a lot of fun. Anytime you can incorporate music into mechanics of a game, I think is always a good thing. Absolutely. So I'm excited for you to check that one out later. Maybe we'll have to do a stream at some point of you doing some play of it. Uh, yeah. It is a little tough to get used to the beat, at least for us rhythmically challenged people like myself. But after a while, you just start feeling it. Highly recommend controller, by the way. I don't even know if PC gives the option for mouse and keyboard, but if it does, go controller if you're playing it on PC. Xbox, obviously, you're going to be playing on... Well, I mean, technically, you play mouse and keyboard there, too, uh, but go controller either way. And on top of that, this one is on Steam, too. It has 750 reviews in so far at the time of taking the notes for the show, and they were all overwhelmingly positive. So this game is doing phenomenally well all over the place. Top three seller on Xbox as well as on Steam. Uh, I think this one has a very bright future ahead. A lot of people calling it an early game of the year contender, which will not hold up against games like Starfield and Spider-Man and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, but it is nice to hear it in that conversation so far. Next up, not going to spend a ton of time on this one because this game has been around for a long time, but this is the Elder Scrolls Online. We got a little bit of a look at the next expansion, which was followed up after the showcase with more talk of the expansion and what that's going to entail, including a new class, something all MMO players love to see. Johnny, you can incite us a little bit more on that front. Uh, but new lands, new classes, new quests, new storylines. This is what ESO is bringing to people like most MMOs with their expansions. But on top of that, I think one of the biggest things that stood out to me was all expansions are now available for free on Game Pass, at least for a limited time. 
that is big. When you look at different ways to get into MMOs, some offer free character level ups, others offer access to some expansions, others say, hey, if you buy the latest expansion, you get access to all the other expansions. Them making it free on Game Pass for the accessibility with this really cool new looking expansion, I think is probably going to be a good move overall for them. Yeah, I think it looks great. If you're a fan of ESO, I mean, you're going to be really excited for this. New classes, new quests, new lands. It's always fun whenever an expansion comes out because uh, it expands that story. It expands, you know, what your character is going to be able to do and explore and you learn more about the land uh, and, and your character's story and questing because, like, you, you can make your own story in, in essence. Like, you can pick what quests you do. You can go off and do your own thing. It's your adventure. Uh, so anytime there's an expansion like this, it's super exciting to kind of explore new lands uh, and and really discover uh, new boundaries or or breaking limits that you thought your character had uh, with new classes, new new um, races or or uh, quests and lands. It's, it's it's super super exciting. I think a lot of ESO fans are gonna be happy with this. So that's very cool. Every time they announce a new expansion, I'm so tempted to download. And then I'm like, Don't do it. I have seen John play so many MMOs at this point, and I know the level of commitment. So I think I'm just going to turn over to his stream and watch what he's playing a little bit of WoW here and there. Because um, it is just, it is such a tough commitment, right? Like leveling up and yeah. learning the new lore and experiencing all these new lands and finding the best min-maxes for classes and dungeons and raids and making friends and selling armor and there are just too many aspects to it. Literally, MMOs have to be your main game, I feel like, or at least your main game at certain points of the year if you're going to stick to them. Uh, as John has told us many times and warned us many times here on the show, uh, so I probably will be standing on the sidelines watching some streams of this one and then tuning back into John's WoW stream because I find MMOs a little too enthralling for my own take. Uh, with that being said, we had one more game in the showcase, and that was Redfall. Uh, the ESO update, by the way, coming in June 2023. A few chapter updates ahead of that, but the big expansion dropping in June. Redfall is the next one coming up, also landing in the spring. This one landing May 2nd, 2023. Uh, not going to touch a ton on this one because we have talked about it quite a bit on the show before. This is your vampire-type game. Uh, think a little bit of that arcane environmental storytelling. There's going to be a lot of different things that you have to glean from the environment. A lot of people comparing this to a Left 4 Dead or Back 4 Blood at the beginning when it was originally unveiled. Unveiled? Unveiled. Uh, since then, uh, they have definitely not taken that approach as it is open world. Very different from those games. It's not chapter-based. There are different upgrades of available for your guns as you go through on top of that there are some really cool unique abilities with full-on built-out ability trees for these four different characters that can be chosen in co-op or in single player it is creepy af uh like some of those games had like i think it was left for dead had the witch which would like cry and then scream and run at you uh this has that on a whole bunch of different levels all the way up to what they're calling vampire gods they are the highest level creatures but then there's like little underbosses and there's cultists and all these other crazy aspects that you encounter in kind of this seaport town of i believe it was massachusetts um it is it is a creepy looking game not one i probably would take on by myself uh, you'd find me screaming quite a bit throughout this one, but I think this would be a fun co-op experience to have. Uh, a lot of people getting together, screaming over the internet or in a nice uh, on-a-couch simulated environment per se. Um, I think there's a lot of good aspects to it. And I think, again, Arcane just, they are such a great studio when it comes to environmental storytelling from Prey to Dishonored to uh, Deathloop being their recent one that won a ton of Game of the Year awards. I think the storytelling will definitely be there, and I'm curious what their first open world co-op game ends up being like so i'll at least be trying this one especially with it coming to game pass i didn't like the look of it at first but it's definitely grown on me the more and more i've seen it 
500 channel points to have Joey stream this on the OTN channel and scream on Twitch. That's all it takes is 500 channel points. <laughs> Simple as that. Uh, that's a little too easy of a target, isn't it? Uh, maybe uh, I, in co-op. I, I, my, no. my issue with playing like horror game single player is like I'm going to be walking through and then something's going to like make a noise, like a scratch or a squeal, and I'm just going to lose it. I'll probably run across the room and you guys won't see me on camera anymore. <laughs> Philly fan Dan's put 100 down. Oh my 400 gosh. more channel points. Oh, oh no, we're, up to we're, 200. Growing, we're growing. Joey, you're in trouble now. Uh, hopefully it doesn't need 32 gigabytes of RAM to run. <laughs> uh, next up in the news, we have Team Deathmatch. That's coming to Valorant. Uh, Riot Games has been talking about adding a Team Deathmatch, and they said, no, this is not something we're going to do anytime soon. This was back in, I think, two years ago when this game was in beta. Since then, we've seen them be a little bit more flexible. They added a Deathmatch mode with some free-for-all aspects to it as kind of a warm-up mode. We've seen them add some other like fun, unique modes in for different uh, seasons like holiday events and things like that. John, now they're getting the most traditional mode in a shooter, whether it be first person or third person based team deathmatch coming to Valorant. Uh, do you feel like this increases our chances of being any good in Valorant? <laughs> yeah, I kind of am leaning that way as well, but Hey, who knows? Maybe we can go click some heads a little bit easier uh, than walking onto a site where everyone is aiming at us. Uh, who knows? That is a TPD for now, but John and I didn't have the best run in Valorant. Uh, we did enjoy some games here and there, but we were, um, we struggled quite a bit. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it was definitely a tougher experience over on that one. Uh, moving along, not going to spend too much time on this one either. This is the Xbox FY23 results. So Microsoft came through, they reported all their earnings or losses in particular in the cases of gaming. Gaming revenue was down 13%. Content and services were down 12%. Hardware revenue down 13%. A uh, few things on this. These sound worse than they are in certain aspects. So gaming revenue and content services being down. These were right within the projections that Xbox and Microsoft did make in the quarter prior. And one big thing to keep in mind here is you had Halo Infinite and you had Forza Horizon 5 launching in that window last year. Xbox released a much more niche game in Pentiment this year. So they didn't really have that big holiday blockbuster. You're missing out on Halo that pulled in 20 million players. Forza Horizon pulled in 15 million players. I highly doubt Pentiment pulled in over 5 million players. So you're looking at a pretty big discrepancy there of somewhere around 35 or so million player differential, 30 to 35 million. So that's the big reason your gaming revenue is down. That's the big reason your content and services are down. But they also reported record highs here. Game Pass saw substantial subgrowth. Unfortunately, Microsoft and Xbox are not reporting numbers on Game Pass right now. Uh, they've done some here and there. Usually once a year we hear Game Pass sub numbers. We've heard a few leaked from other people like, um, I was going to say NBA 2K, but no, Take-Two Interactive. That's the one I'm going for, who makes NBA 2K. They are the ones who ended up reporting the most recent with Xbox right around 30, 30 million or so Game Pass subscribers. So we don't know exactly what this is looking like, but they are currently at a record growth, whatever that number may be. They saw an increase in game streaming hours. It just says an increase. That could be one more hour. That could be 30 more hours. That could be 300 more hours. We really have no idea on that front either. Monthly active devices increased to a record as well. Again, no idea what that increase is. Could be one, could be 500. 
but we do know it increased to a new record high. And the last one is a big one, and it kind of got buried in there. And I wonder if it was buried because of the ongoing Activision Blizzard acquisition. And with all these different people kind of fighting, it is interesting to report something like this. Monthly active users surpassed 120 million during the quarter. So that is 120 million people logging onto their Xbox and playing games. That is by far the highest count we've seen, even including Nintendo Switch, including Nintendo DS, including PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4. The highest previous count was PlayStation's reporting in holiday 2021, where they reported 111 million. Since then, their most recent reporting was 102 million. So we're looking at PlayStation and Nintendo firmly in the lead ahead of Xbox, but Xbox is reporting almost 20 million more than either of those are in monthly act or quarterly active users, rather. Uh, so overly overwise, 120 month, 120 million quarterly active users uh, is extremely high. It's one of the highest we have ever seen in gaming. To my knowledge, it is the highest we've ever seen. Uh, so very interesting to kind of see that buried in there as well. Any other thoughts on these revenue things, John? I know it's a little bit more businessy than we typically get on here, um, but it is interesting. And I have a feeling they will not be the only ones hit uh, with a lot of these decreases in this last quarter. No, I mean, we saw an all-time historical high during the pandemic, especially during the, the lockdown phase, if you will, uh, of the pandemic, because people were looking for sources of entertainment. And a lot of people reverted back to video games if they weren't currently playing video games. Uh, that's one of the main reasons why uh, the consoles were so hard to get a hold of. Granted, there weren't a lot of them being produced, uh, but the ones that were being produced were selling very, very quick. Uh, so it was very, very difficult to get your hands on a console. But uh, but yeah, it, it was kind of expected to see these numbers trend downward a little bit uh, as the world is slowly transitioning back to whatever this new normal is going to be. The new normal. Uh, the new normal that is still developing and still delaying games across the industry. Uh, so we'll see how that continues to play. But I have a feeling that we'll see pretty strong holiday quarters this year from both PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo. But that is a TBD for now, as we don't know what games are going to end up slotting into those windows. Next up, just a brief mention of the Game Pass games that got announced this week, and mainly one Game Pass game. Uh, we do have some interesting ones in here, though. Grid Legends coming to the cloud version. Age of Empires coming to the console. This is Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on an RTS game on a controller? Uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be a lot of button mashing. Uh, if you think hitting combos in Street Fighter was a pain in the butt, wait until you try to do RTS on a controller. Uh, definitely plug in those mouse and keyboards on your Xbox there, fam. <laughs> It'll be easier, trust me. Yeah, it will be an interesting one. Hi-Fi Rush, we mentioned it earlier, also come in cloud PC and Xbox. Next-gen consoles or current-gen consoles, the X and S. Ikulnati uh, is another one that a lot of people have been keeping an eye on. That's going into game, going into game preview uh, at the end of the month. That one, cloud, console, and PC. Hot Wheels Unleashed Game of the Year Edition was supposed to come in December. There were some issues that came down with that one. It is now finally added here in January. Uh, that one, a lot of people have high on their list of racing games in recent years. Definitely worth checking out. And then last but not least, John, the one we have been waiting, it feels like almost a full year for GoldenEye 007 will be launching on Xbox, on Game Pass, as well as over on the Nintendo Switch, on Nintendo Switch Online. We are stoked for this one. I love the idea. Uh, John and I maybe will do some slappers only, a little man with the golden gun action, off the yellow John for screen peeking, as he usually does. Um, but I'm excited for this one, John. I think this will be a very fun game. First off, you've never played me in GoldenEye couch co-op style. 
when Golden. I don't want to hear about it from you. I wasn't even living in this country when Golden Eye came out. Don't even give me that crap. <laughs> screen peeking. I'll screen peek you. Uh, I loved Golden Eye. I'm Such curious. A good game. Uh, so, what are you thinking, though? Is this actually going to hold up, or is it just you and I steeped in nostalgia here that we're going to come in and be like, oh, God, these graphics are terrible. The mechanics are so bad. How did we ever play this on an N64 controller? That's one of the parts I'm most curious about, actually. Not necessarily how the graphics look, because they are, I think, remastered in 4K for the mm. Xbox edition, but imagining it on two twin sticks compared to how in the world did we play that on an N64 controller? I mean... I'm not even going to try to wrap my head around how we used an N64 controller because it to this day it was it had to be black magic. It had to be like some kind of voodoo <laughs> kind of stuff because uh, that, that controller was just god awful. Uh, I, I literally held my N64 controller the other day. I was like, how the hell did I? I mean, granted, my hands are like ginormous now, uh, but I was like, how the hell did I do this? Like it, ma it made no sense. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a combination of nostalgia. Uh, GoldenEye was groundbreaking for video games. Um, not only was it a rare, successful adaptation of a movie to a video game, it was very unique uh, in its multiplayer, uh, in the style of game. Uh, it almost encouraged you to use cheat codes uh, in the game to uh, not just unlock other players for multiplayer, but to experience the games in different ways using paintball or big head mode. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was kind of funny because like the big heads would clip through the walls and you like, you can kind of see the bad guys before they show up. Uh, a lot of great memories playing Goldeneye, not just on the solo campaign, but multiplayer. I mean, it truly really was one of the first multiplayers. Granted, you are playing with three of your other friends. You're all on the same screen and screen peeking was the legitimate thing that broke up friendship friendships and broke controllers um, but nonetheless, it, it was really exciting and just really kind of showed how multiplayer games could really be the future of video games as we see today, all these years later. I mean, th the nostalgia around this game is massive for a great reason. I really hope the graphics live up to it, the, the, the re-engineered the re the re uh, graphics for it. Um, if it is a rinse and repeat of the N64 graphics that were very blocky, very polygoning, very rough around the corners because there were no edges, <laughs> um, I uh, I really hope it's better than N64 graphics. I just really hope it is. I know the Nintendo Switch version is the exact same N64 graphics. Yes. That one is straight up. I don't care about the Switch. This one, I, I know they've remastered it for 4K, but I don't know what that means. I don't know if that just means... We've added a few more triangles and pickles here and there. If that means we have gone in and refreshed graphics. At one point, and just to give a little bit of backstory, this was being redone for the Xbox 360 as a release. Then there were some issues going on because so many people touched the licenses of this. It's like Rare, Nintendo, Xbox, and another publisher that was involved as well. So a ton of different people have to write off for this to end up happening. Unfortunately, in the 360 generation, it didn't happen, so it got canceled. I mean, and then it made it all the way through the Xbox One generation, and now we are two years into the Xbox Series generation, finally making its way out onto the Xbox console as well as Nintendo Switch. So this one has been in the works for a very long time. Again, the original game launched, I mean, when was that, John? That had to be late 90s, maybe? I want to say it was mid-90s. Was it mid-90s? Uh, hold on. Um... Let's see here. I'm going to say like 97. 97. Oh, for real? Yeah, oh, there yeah. you go. Okay. Yeah. 97 on the dot. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it, so the movie came out in 95, the game came out in 97, and uh, for our younger viewers and listeners out there, um, when GoldenEye 007 came out and you had to go to the actual store to buy the physical copy, uh, in my case, I was living on a military base at the time, so um, when we finally got the game overseas, because I was living in Korea, we had to go to the exchange uh, to get it, and they would only have like five copies that would come oh, in wow. uh, when the shipments actually came in uh, to, to the base. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't feel bad for people that were trying to fight to get 200 copies at Funko Land uh, or GameStop or EB Boutique or Electronic Boutique or whatever it was called before GameStop EB Games, bought all yeah. of them up. Yeah. Uh, I had to fight over five copies on, on base overseas. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it was really cool, though. But it, it just goes to show you that uh, even in that era of gaming, when physical copies of the games were the only way to get these games, the demand was still high, and people would stand in line for hours for half a day to make sure that they were in line early enough they could get a copy of the game. Um and honestly, Joey, it's going to sound a little boomerish, but I kind of miss those days of those midnight releases of people lining up at GameStop because uh, at, at the same time, it was kind of like a sense of community. Like, obviously, we have Discord communities now, uh, but there was something cool about lining up with other people talking about the new Assassin's Creed game coming out or the new Halo coming out. Uh, or my favorite one, uh, in line for a video game and some guy dressing up as Master Chief coming over, giving me a Bible verse about how I'm playing video games and going to hell. Uh, not a fan <laughs> of Master Chief anymore. That, that was that was so random. Like, Master Chief, I thought we were supposed to be friends. Um, but it was just so cool, like, just having that kind of community. But now everything's gone digital, which is great. You don't have to stand in line anymore. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, obviously times have changed, but it was there was something unique about being in line for a physical copy of a game. No, I mean, there really was like that. I mean, even like movie releases, book releases, like I remember Harry Potter yeah. book seven for that had a huge release mm -hmm. party. And there was like everyone's like making butterbeer and there's different games going on. And then for the game releases, you have everyone in costume and different people are like setting up little TVs in line and kind of playing as they wait for midnight to approach. And movies even like so many costumes and different people talking about the previous sets if it's a sequel. Uh, it's just it's very interesting to see because like you said, we're such a digital age now. So many people say, hey, I'll just get the digital download. And that works for everything. It works for the book. It works for uh, the actual game, for the movies. You can't really digitally download it for some cases, but in other cases, it's straight to Netflix or straight to HBO. Uh, or if it's not, it's like it's a lot easier just to see the next day. So it's like one of those things where I think as a culture, we've kind of moved away from that. But I agree. I love that. And land parties. I loved land parties. I think yes. like you're mentioning with GoldenEye, they were so much fun. Halo the same way. Like the ability to just get together in a room have some nice like sweaty matches with four to eight other guys or, or girls. Um, plenty of that action. And I think it's just, it's one of those things that we've kind of lost as a culture, like having those experiences. Cause now it's like, Hey, let's log online. And it's fun. I love playing Halo or GoldenEye eventually with you here online. But at the same point, it's like, what about those like fun experiences where you had like eight guys in one room or you had two people in one room and two people in another room. And then you kind of get together between games and like talk crap and things. And you just don't really have as much of that anymore. So it is one of those things in chats over here yeah. calling us a bunch of boomers, but uh, it was definitely fun back <laughs> in the day. Look, I mean, it's it's something I wish everyone could experience, like having a part time job 
and trying to explain to your boss that you have to get off of work early because there's a video game you pre-ordered and you want to make sure you get your copy so you want to get in line early that was a great conversation because that helped you with your people skills you had to come up with a very good valid reason to get off of work and and if you told the truth there was a good chance that you would not get off of work early for a video game uh but yeah it was i mean i don't know like i it, it's cool but also uh I, I i don't miss staying out until 12 to get a copy of the game getting home around 12 45 and then wanting to play the game but realizing i had school yeah. the next morning <laughs> or had to go to work in the morning and it was like all i want to do is play the video game so it's like oh i'm gonna fake sick and of course my parents were like ha ah, we know you too well you you are a terrible actor. Yeah, you were just out all night. Oh I wonder how you got sick. <laughs> yeah, right? So it's like yeah. it, it, it sucked, and then you had to go to school, and all you wanted to do was play the game, and you didn't pay attention, and blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, now it's like, okay, cool. It comes out at midnight. It's already pre-downloaded to your console. Midnight hits on your system, and guess what? You're already in the game. Uh, so it's cool. It's great. But it, it was such a unique era of gaming. Um you know, in, in the 90s and, and early to mid 2000s before the digital age really took uh, grasp in the 2010s. Absolutely. So we'll keep the show going. You guys can look forward to our future documentary, Boomers Chat Gaming, uh, OTN edition. <laughs> yeah. It'll be coming out maybe 2023, maybe a few years later when we're even older. We'll have to wait and see on that one. For now, let's switch over uh. to esports, talk a little bit about the LEC, LCS, and the NBA 2K League draft happening tonight, and then wrap up today's show, kicking things off the LEC. This is League of Legends in Europe, one of the most successful leagues as far as viewership goes, outside of Asia, that is, um, and definitely bigger than the North American scene. Over in first place for EU, we have G2 Esports tied with Team Vitality, both of these kind of being deemed the super teams of EU this time around. Uh, Fnatic and Koi also in those discussions. Team Vitality probably should have lost to Fnatic, but Fnatic got a little too cocky, made some mistakes, and Vitality took the win there, giving them that tie with G2 Esports in first slash second. Next and third, we have Koi and Mad Lions, two rosters with a lot of veterans on them that have kind of come together. They look like they should be top contenders. Both look like playoff teams early on, currently sitting at that 2-1 and one in third place. Then we go into fifth. Uh, fifth is a, a, a pool of craziness right now. Uh, we have SK Gaming, Excel, Team BDS, Team Heretics, and Fnatic all at 1-2. and two. I expect Fnatic to jump over all these teams pretty quickly. Fnatic's week one is probably one of the hardest week ones I've ever seen in esports. They were up against G2, Team Vitality, and Koi. All three of those are the top three teams in the league right now. And two of those matches, they probably could have won. Unfortunately, they came out of the week one and two after that throw against Vitality. I do expect them to jump up there in that fourth or fifth spot pretty soon. And then last but not least, changing nothing from the previous split and the split before that even, Astralis currently sitting at 0-3 through week one. Uh, John, besides Fnatic kind of dropping down, are there any other surprises for you so far in this one? No, uh, it's week one. I don't think you can have surprises. Um it's kind of just trying to figure out where each roster stands based upon their week, their week one matchup. Like Fnatic, like you said, very tough week one. Uh, you can't really judge them, judge them for a one and two record. That That's not a good representation of who they are as a team. Um, it may say more about Astralis being 0-3 than anything else. Um, but G2 being 3-0, that doesn't surprise anybody. A lot of these... Um, you know, records aren't going to surprise anybody until I would probably say week three or four when when people really start to see what these rosters are made out of. Absolutely. And then over to the LCS again, we mentioned it earlier, it just kind of kicked off. So nothing really super big to report here. Evil Geniuses, Cloud9 and FlyQuest 
all sitting at 1-0 in a three-way tie for first, with Team Liquid, Golden Guardians, and 100 Thieves being the recipients of those losses so far. Again, there's not really too much to talk about here because it is so early on. Uh, we do have some name changes coming to the season. Immortals added Progressive to their name and Team Liquid adding Honda to theirs. So a little bit of sponsorship to inject some money into the scene and these organizations. But other than that, John, I think it's just a little bit too early to call this season for the LCS. Uh, I think there's a team that's actually missing a couple letters in front of their name. Um, it's oh, like, uh, <laughs> uh, forgot about that one. Uh Toxic solo mid organizations missing uh, FTX there because FTX went bankrupt. And I mean, there is no better organization to get caught up in that whole crypto bullcrap than TSM. Uh, absolutely love it. Congratulations, Reggie. You got played, and I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been a mess and a lot of people struggling from that whole FTX side of things. We'll see if TSM struggles throughout the split as it goes on and see if that does continue Can to impact so. their mindset. Uh, as a Cloud9 fan over there, he is definitely hoping so. With that being said, John, during this podcast, simultaneously and continuing on after the show is the NBA 2K League drafts. Give us some insight into what's happening over there so far. Uh, yeah, so it leaked about uh, 13 minutes before the pick actually happened. The uh, number one overall pick uh, for Atlanta Hawk uh, for me, Atlanta Ta or Hawks Talent Gaming GC or, or all the fun initials that they put up there. Uh, shooting guard out of Chicago, Glizzy uh, is going to the Hawks. Uh, you know, a really strong uh, shooting guard uh, in the combine, put up some really decent numbers. Uh, and j just to remind people the power of the number one pick, WizDG went from a team that struggled uh, to get out of the first round of the playoffs, uh, just just kind of really struggled to maintain um, viability in the postseason and really compete in some of these midseason tournaments. Drafted JBM. Uh, granted, they did a lot of roster moves as well. Uh, bringing Dayfry over helped out quite a bit. But th they revamped that roster around JBM, the number one overall pick when they got that and went on to win two back-to-back -back NBA 2K League championships. So the number one pick is a massive changer, game changer for an organization. So uh, Glizzy comes in to Atlanta with a lot of pressure on him, has a lot of weight on his shoulders to help revitalize uh, Hawks talent to uh, have them be competitive and, and make the playoffs and possibly go even further. Um, there are trades going on right now as well. It's, it's, it's been absolutely insane. Uh, the number two overall pick, uh, so I would put this on screen. I just don't have it all up. It's all on my phone at the moment, so I do apologize. Green's point guard going uh, to, uh, let's see here. looks like that is Nets Gaming. Nets GC. So uh, he's actually from Brooklyn as well. Uh, so he's staying put there. Uh, keeping scrolling up. Lakers Gaming with the third pick. Spam. That's a accurate name for, for gamers. Absolutely. But another point guard. Three point guards uh, in a row. Pardon me, shooting guard, point guard, point guard. Uh, your first three picks there. Uh, Lakers Gaming, uh, for an organization that is tied to the Lakers, that organization has struggled since day one. Uh, so they are looking for anything and everything to really get a boost uh, there. That pick was made six minutes ago, so uh, we are roughly around pick number four. That should be coming in sometime soon. Uh, so if you want to check that out, once level up is done, that's on the NBA 2K League Twitch channel. Uh, I'll be switching over to that myself, covering that um, as I'm covering that for WizDG. Uh, they are still looking for one player to round out their roster, uh, so it's going to be very exciting to see who they pick as well. 
Done, done, done. Lots of great action there as these leagues kick off again. League of Legends kicking off. The NBA 2K League moving closer to that kickoff with the draft tonight. Many other leagues also kicking off with big events as we move closer to February as well. Anything else you want to touch on, John, tonight in terms of gaming and or esports? There's quite a bit going on. And there is also, it feels like every week, stuff going on at the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition. Personally, most people are getting tired of it, including John and I. So we are just going to cover it here and there when big, big things happen. Uh, like we should have some stuff coming up in February, but we're not going to cover that every week because it is just dragging on with legality here and there. Um, so other than that, anything else you want to touch on tonight, sir? I'll be honest. I'm ready for a nap. I'm tired. Uh, it's been a long weekend. I'm uh, I'm exhausted. But yeah, uh, Blizzard Activision is just an absolute nightmare at the moment, and there's more and more coming out about that. But but nothing too crazy. And and I second what Joey said there. Once uh, something that does not feel like it's on repeat comes out, we'll be more than happy to talk about that. Uh, no, Dan, I'm not actually going to bed at the end of the show. There's too much to cover. The draft is going on, man. I gotta go watch that. I think we are good for our closing good, probably, sir. <laughs> should probably wrap that up here and actually get like the music going and whatnot because you know I had I have He's already one gone job to bed. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm already half asleep. Simple as that. And as simple as a well done closing. Let's see if we can redeem myself here from the opening. Nation, that is gonna do it for this edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, make sure you follow the show on Twitch and catch your next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else. If your podcatcher has us, we are there. Uh, we would love to hear from you. We love to hear from our community so much. There are multiple ways you can reach out to us. Joey, what are some of those ways? Absolutely, guys. Head on over to Twitter and find us at Level Up Live. That is LVLUP Live. In addition to that, you can follow the umbrella company, OTN Media, as well. Twitter and Facebook, at OTN Media. Over on Instagram, it's at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow, maybe even a juicy Twitch Prime sub over here on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. This show typically Thursday nights around 8 p.m. Eastern time. All right, so make sure you tune in next week. It's a Thursday and the first show of February, Joey. It's already going to be month two of 2023 it's absolutely insane as we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming esports news do your ears and eyes a favor hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of level up live is ready for your listening pleasures we'll catch you all next week remember to be nice to your fellow gamers online and joey as always level, level up, up.